0: Visit myflexlearning.com backslash B-E to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash B-E. This is Dr. Karen, and this is the Are They 18 Yet? podcast, where I help parents raise independent, self-sufficient kids without sacrificing their own identity and sense of purpose. I'm here to share practical day-to-day solutions and actionable advice for supporting systemic changes so we can make this world a more inclusive and accepting place now and for future generations. Welcome. This is Dr. Karen, and this is Episode 7 of the Are They 18 Yet? podcast. I am so excited to share this episode with you, we are going to get into motivation and procrastination and what's going on when positive reinforcement isn't working as well as we'd want it to. Now, if you haven't already figured it out from my previous episodes, I think, or actually I know from my work with families, students, educators, therapists, that executive functioning skills are really important to helping kids be independent. And so that's why I have really been focusing on that topic for these first rounds of episodes on the show. I will be switching gears and talking about some other topics still related to helping kids be independent, but not necessarily directly related to executive functions uh, in some of the coming episodes. And we will be covering a lot of different topics on the show. But since this is a really important topic for a lot of my readers And people who are already on my mailing list, I wanted to make sure to really cover this topic really well. So for episode eight, I actually did this awesome interview with Mike McLeod from Grown-Out Therapy, who specializes in ADHD and executive functioning. So that's obviously not this episode, but the next one that's coming up. But I thought that was a really good way to round out this whole series on executive functions. So you have that to look forward to in addition to a number of other topics that are going to help you to support your kids. So I'm really excited about that. Before we get into the episode, again, wanted to remind you that if you haven't downloaded it yet, you will want to check out my parent guide to the eight executive functions where I show you the skills that will help your kids be independent, focused, and attentive, And also to help them to get through some of those tasks that they have to do during their day-to-day life that require sustained effort, problem solving, and critical thinking. So all you need to do to download that guide is go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide. When you download that guide, you'll be added to my mailing list. You'll be the first to know about when episodes are live. And also, you'll be the first to know when doors to my parent training program are open. Again, that's drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide. So now, let's get into episode seven. Hey there, everybody. This is Dr. Karen. And in this episode, we are going to get into motivation and procrastination and some of the the mistakes that people make when they try to motivate kids or get them to stop procrastinating and also to dispel some myths surrounding both of those things. When I was working in the school systems, this came up a lot. This has also come up a lot for me personally with my own family members and also I've just observed it as I've been growing up throughout the years. You know when you're in high school and college and you're just watching everybody and their different habits when it comes to getting their work done and you know you start to notice that you, you begin to think of certain people as more dependable and organized and then You think of other people as more last minute or maybe a little bit disorganized. So when we're thinking about our kids, obviously, a lot of people, if you're here, probably you probably want your your child to grow up to be that person who is organized, has their act together, gets things done on time, all of the things. As I have supported families and supported my own family members as well, like like my stepdaughter, as she is working through her school-age years, figuring out how to self-manage and things like that, I have noticed some common things that come up as far as go-to strategies when I was In the school systems, I was on a problem solving team where if kids were having a hard time keeping up with their schoolwork or if there were other issues, they would be the teacher could refer them to the team and we would brainstorm and try to figure out, all right, how can we help this this child? How can we support them and what can we do? And there were a couple go to strategies that we would use for kids who weren't getting their homework done, for example. So maybe they weren't organized, wouldn't get their things in, parents were saying things like, oh, they're just not motivated. They don't want to sit down and do their work. They they delay it. They, they're defiant. They put it off. Or when there would be th- the same thing going on in the classroom and teachers would say, you know what? They, they just don't want to get to work and they have this 40-minute period and the whole time I'm fighting them on getting started. So there were a couple go-to strategies which would include things like Positive reinforcement was a big one. So it's giving them some kind of a reward or reinforcement to get their work done. And also just assuming that this is something about their motivation. So it was always about, all right, how can we motivate this student to do their work? And like I said, positive reinforcement was the go-to thing. But the problem with that is that it often didn't work. And we'd have kids who would sometimes it would work for a little while and then it would stop working. The novelty of the reinforcement would wear off. Or they might be able to get it together in a short period of time and get their work done. And then as soon as we would take the reinforcement away, then they wouldn't want to do it. So there wasn't really a skill there. There wasn't really a lesson learned that they could actually take and apply to other situations in their lives. And the concern would be, all right, you know what, there's going to come a time when they're not going to get a sticker for doing something done. They're just going to have to do it because it's what you have to do when you're a functioning adult. Sometimes you just have to get your work done and nobody's going to be there to pat you on the back for it. There there just might be some naturally occurring consequences, but a lot of times you just have to get things done and you might not get some external reward for it or at least not one that's immediately obvious. If you have someone who appears to have an issue with procrastination, it might not be that they are simply being defiant. It could actually be something else something skill based. So let me take a segue here and talk a little bit about a common skill that we want kids to do in the school age years where this comes into play. So I'm going to pause a little bit here and switch gears and explain a little bit about how kids learn to read and how they build their vocabulary skills. And this is going to tie into the whole motivation thing. You're going to see the connection here. So there's something that happens in school-age kids that's called the Matthew effect. Basically, it's kind of like the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. What happens is that the kids who come in to school knowing more, so having a more robust vocabulary, what happens is that when they get into the school systems, because they know more, they're able to make connections more easily because they have more context for the different things that they might be learning. They can maybe take one word and draw a connection to another word or one high-level concept and tie it to another thing. So it makes it easier for them to learn. That means that the kids who know more are going to be learning at a faster rate than the kids who don't know as much. So here's how that relates to reading. When it comes to reading, you need to know at least 90 to 95 percent of the words in the text that you're reading in order to comprehend it. So if you don't have a very solid vocabulary, your comprehension is going to go down and that can actually impact your reading level. So if you have a more robust vocabulary, it's more likely that you are going to catch on to things like reading and comprehension more easily because you're actually going to understand the content. Think about when you're reading a book that's really thick and it's a really hard topic. It's really hard to stick with it and it's hard to comprehend it. But when you're reading something and you're understanding the high level topic and you have a background knowledge of it, you don't have to work so hard. Your brain doesn't feel as tired when you're trying to process what's going on. So it's more relaxing, it's more enjoyable, and it's easier. And most importantly, it's easier to stick with. So that happens with kids when they're learning to read. And so what happens is that the kids who have a more advanced vocabulary tend to learn at a quicker rate than the kids who don't. And with reading, they also tend to have a higher reading level, which means that they're able to read more. So a couple things happen there. Number one, they're able to learn more vocabulary through reading, which is a way that kids in the school age of years tend to learn a lot of language and to gain a lot of new information is through reading. If they are able to understand more, they're able to read more. And that is one of the reasons why they learn at a quicker rate, in addition to just being able to draw more connections with with more concepts. And then here's the other thing. If kids are catching on to reading more easily, they're probably going to be more likely to enjoy it. Because nobody likes to do something if they feel like they are failing at it. And if it's really hard, think about something that you have a hard time doing. A lot of times you might not look forward to it if it is too challenging. You want it to be a little bit challenging to keep you on your toes because otherwise that might get boring if it's too easy. But if it's too challenging, it can also have that effect where you don't want to do it because it's just so hard. Kids who do better at reading and who have better comprehension because they have better vocabulary tend to read more. Well what happens when they read more? Well they learn more which means they learn more vocabulary and they are learning at a quicker rate and because they are succeeding they're enjoying what they're doing while they're reading. Their love for reading is actually growing but what happens to the kids who don't do as well with it if they're not catching on then they're less likely to number one learn which means that it's going to be harder for them to advance and feel successful when doing that particular skill and what also happens is that they don't enjoy it as much so if they don't enjoy reading they're not going to be reading as often and so that's another reason why they might be getting further and further behind so let's go back to the procrastination issue And especially if you are uh, talking about homework, let's say for your your kids, if there is a particular subject or homework assignment and you find your child is procrastinating, could it be a behavioral thing? Absolutely. But if they feel like they have repeatedly failed at that task, that's going to add another layer. So the interesting thing about that is improving motivation and decreasing procrastination with a particular skill, one way to actually improve it is to increase your competence with that skill, because then the amount of effort it takes to actually do the skill goes down and it becomes more enjoyable. Think about something that you used to struggle with and maybe you didn't look forward to it. And as a result, maybe you felt like you wanted to procrastinate and not do it. But then when you got going and when you realized that you were able to succeed at that particular skill, then you actually started to look forward to it. And that feeling of procrastination and that whole psychological battle to get yourself to actually start doing it might have been a little bit easier now are there certain hard tasks that we have to do on a daily basis are there certain things where we're always going to feel resistance absolutely i love writing i am a good writer i have lots of practice but i still feel that little tendency to want to procrastinate and check my email and go get a drink and do whatever it is But the thing that's different is that now that I have been through that whole process, I understand conceptually that that is just something that's normal, that's part of the process that I'm going to feel, and I can just work through it. And most importantly, I have a specific strategy for working through it, so I know what steps to take. So if I feel that feeling, I can just simply acknowledge that it's there, but I can start with my process And just kind of go with it and know that that feeling is going to fade over time. But if I didn't have that process, then I would have no way of knowing how to get through that particular feeling. Same thing goes with getting up in the morning. Sometimes I don't want to get out of bed, but I know that I have a morning routine that's going to help me to feel more alert as I go through my morning. With homework, a lot of times motivation can be an issue. But there has to be a strategy for actually getting through that process. Let's say that you have a child who wants to or you want them to do some kind of a writing assignment, for example, and they're digging their heels in and they're procrastinating and you can't get them to sit down and do it. And it's like pulling teeth. And then when you actually get them to sit down and do it, they're fighting you every step of the way and you're having to hold their hand. And it's just stressful for all of you. And it could be, I mean, this could happen during homework assignments. It could happen during day-to-day tasks, whatever. If you say to them, all right, if you finish your writing by whatever time, you can watch your favorite show or you can do something that you like of your choice. Does that make them want to actually do it? And does that motivate them to want to get to work? Sure. But if they don't know how to get to work, how are they actually going to get from point A to point B? If they don't have a strategy for actually doing the steps, then that's going to be really hard for them to do. And so that's why it's less of a motivation issue or it appears to be a motivation and procrastination issue. But really, it's more of a skill based issue. And the interesting thing is that when you improve competency with that particular skill, the tendency to procrastinate goes down. Maybe you have a child who does need a little more accountability to get going, but when you give them that accountability and when you give them that external reward, they're actually able to respond to that strategy So you have dealt with the skill-based issue. And now when you give them a motivator, they actually know what to do to get from point A to point B. Again, positive reinforcement, it's a good thing as long as you tie it into something that seems naturally occurring. But if it's used out of context and it's used without addressing the root cause, that's when it can be less effective. So the question becomes, if I have a child who procrastinates, with different tasks that I want them to do whether it be homework assignments whether it be getting their things together whether it be let's say let's use the morning routine for example let's say that you want them to get up in the morning and you want them to go downstairs and make themselves breakfast and put all their stuff away after so the kitchen's not a mess after they're done in the kitchen Well, what skills do those actually require? In episode one, I talk about what's known as executive functioning. And I talk about executive functioning in the context of attention and focus. And attention and focus are one of the eight executive functions. So I actually outline all of the eight executive functions in my free parent guide so that you can get a little more context of what that actually means. But I do recommend listening to episode one because I really outline all of those specific executive functioning skills in that episode and that guide. So to download that guide, you're going to want to go to DrKarenDudekBrandon.com backslash parent guide. And I outline those eight executive functioning skills. So definitely check that out. But let me talk about it in the context of motivation and procrastination, just briefly. So there are a couple different executive functioning skills that require high level strategy and planning. So understanding the steps to take to actually get a specific task done. And then another really important skill is called initiation. So knowing what that first step is. If you have a child who struggles with initiation, so knowing how to get that high-level strategy and then also knowing what that first step is, if you don't know what the first step is, you can't get over that hurdle and start to get into a nice flow and a rhythm and, and get past that feeling of resistance that you feel when you're doing a difficult task. Sometimes that first step can be huge In getting over that barrier and that feeling of, I don't really feel like doing this right now. If your child does not know what that first step is, or they don't know the steps in the task to whatever it is that they're doing, then even if you give them some accountability and say, hey, remember to do your homework, or remember to, you know, it's it's seven o'clock, we've got to be out the door by eight o'clock, so let's go downstairs and start eating breakfast, whatever it is that you want them to do. If you're doing that and they don't know what the first step is and they're just going to go down there and you might find that they are dawdling, maybe they got distracted, maybe they're playing on their phone, maybe they're maybe they started to get ready and they got distracted and they're playing with one of their toys and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. That can often happen where they started but then they weren't really sure if they were on the right track so they got sidetracked and 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 again this could be initiation is just one of the eight executive functioning skills i recommend checking out that guide because what you really have to do as somebody who's supporting your child is figure out where the bottleneck is happening so where is the issue occurring is it that they got distracted is it that they don't know where to start so there are a number of places it can happen but again they don't know where to start, then it's easy for them to get sidetracked. Here's another thing. Let's say that, and this is a common objection that we would get with parents um, and, and teachers, honestly, really anybody who was wanting to support a particular child and maybe we were trying reinforcements with them and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. Or maybe The child was super, super reliant on external reinforcements and they could do it sometimes, but not other times. And when we would bring up the conversation of, well, maybe it's not that they're not motivated, but maybe it's maybe it's that whatever we're asking them to do is hard for them. A common objection that we would get is, well, then why were they able to do it over here? without that much support when we gave them a reinforcement and so sometimes people would say well since since they did it over here when i gave them a reward and now over here they don't have the reward and they're not doing it it's just a choice they're just being defiant they're just being difficult and stubborn and whatever so that would be a common objection now in that case it can actually still be an executive functioning issue And the the child might still be struggling to figure out the strategy, the steps, where to start, how to keep themselves focused. It could still be a skill-based issue. And here's why. Even if they were able to get it together in one situation versus the other, there might be cases where, let's say that you have to do a certain skill and you know that you're not good at it. You know it's going to take a lot of energy to do it, but you're able to get it done. But it's very tiring for you because you have to really concentrate. You have to really focus. You're tired afterwards and you know it's going to take a lot out of you. And the reason that it's going to take a lot out of you is because it's hard for you. So you can do it, but it takes a lot of effort. If you have a child who has a skill that they're doing and they can do it, but they have just mastered it or they're just barely hanging on and they can just barely get through it and they can get the job done, but but afterwards they're fatigued, that can actually result in those inconsistencies because... They can sometimes get it together and muster up the motivation when there's that reinforcement, but when there's not that reinforcement because they know it's going to take them a lot of effort because they're not particularly good at the skill yet, then sometimes it might appear that, oh, well, he looked like he did fine over here, but he didn't do it over here. Well, a lot of times that's just a fatigue thing and it might not be that they're just choosing to be defiant. It could be just that, They only were willing to muster up enough energy to do the thing when they had a reason and when somebody was holding them accountable. So I would say that even if you have someone who can do whatever you're asking them to do with a reinforcer, I would still look into how well they're able to strategize and come up with the different steps and consider that executive functioning might be an issue because again, it it might be a fatigue. And what happens with fatigue, there's also those inconsistencies because if you ask someone to do something that's hard for them and it's at the time of day when they're really tired or if they've had a really rough day or they're emotional and they are a little distracted because something upsetting happened to them, well, if something takes a little bit more effort, then they're going to be less likely to do it. Their performance is going to diminish And if you have something that you're pretty good at that you can do automatically, a lot of times you can kind of keep it together and do it even if you're having a bad day, even if you're tired, even if you are a little bit emotional or distracted. So for you, for example, maybe you know how to go into the kitchen and make yourself a sandwich even if you've had a rough day. If you have somebody who doesn't know how to do that and it's not automatic for them, then all those other factors might cause a breakdown. And that's when you might see those inconsistencies. You might see them be able to do it in this day, but not this day. Or you might see them be more likely to do it when being held accountable versus not. And that can be also dependent on what else is going on. So that's why In my parent training program and other support that I offer for parents, we do talk about the big picture. We talk about sleep. We talk about emotions. We talk about day-to-day routines. So you can minimize that fatigue so that if there is a skill that you're working on with your child, and if you do want them to be more independent with certain tasks, you can set up a situation where they're less likely to be fatigued. Is it going to happen? Sometimes, of course, life happens. That's just part of it. But you can reduce that. And again, the first step is understanding what skills your child is struggling with. Another thing too is that what's what's encouraging for for parents or for anybody who's working on those particular skills. Again, that's executive functioning skills—the ability to to go from point A to point B and to. Understand how to engage in specific goal-directed behavior to get things done. So, being able to stay organized, being able to to self-monitor and to evaluate your own work, and to stay disciplined and have a good estimate of how long things are going to take. The ability to get things done. If you're supporting somebody who's working on those types of skills, or if you are working on those skills yourself, the comforting thing is is that if the skills are inconsistent now, that can get better with practice. So let's say you've got somebody who doesn't know how to go in the kitchen and make themselves a bowl of cereal when they're having a bad day. That might be the status now. But if you work on executive functioning skills and you build those skills, then over time, that's going to get better. And the tolerance of those other external things that happen in life is going to go up. It's going to be easier for them to do the task as they get better at using those skills. So that's why it's so important to be able to build your executive functioning skills because it just makes you way more adaptable and able to function better because you're able to manage when your day doesn't go exactly as planned and when you're tired, which is going to happen to anybody. That is why when we're thinking about procrastination and motivation, a lot of times it, it doesn't mean that you have a child who's defiant and doesn't want to do it and doesn't care. It doesn't mean that they're not motivated and not concerned about whatever it is that you're doing or that they don't see the value. Now, is it possible that those things are the case? Sure. But you don't have to automatically make that assumption. It makes it way easier to be motivated and do things and just get everything that you need to do done when you actually have a strategy for doing it. So that's why building these skills, making them automatic are so important for kids, especially if you have someone who tends to procrastinate when it comes to challenging tasks, like homework, like chores, or whatever it is that you want them to do. This is a good place for me to wrap up this episode. And I wanted to remind you again that if you haven't already, and if you have a child who struggles with day-to-day tasks like chores, like getting work done, like doing anything that requires sustained effort or putting things down that are a preferred activity and doing something that is a non-preferred activity. And if it's just hard to get them to be focused and independent, you're going to want to download my parent guide and learn about the eight executive functioning skills. So go to and you can sign up for your copy. Again, remember when you sign up for the guide, you're going to want to go to your inbox, confirm your email address so that you can get on the mailing list, and then we'll be able to send that guide to you. And you'll also be the first to know about podcast episodes airing since you'll be on our mailing list. And then you'll also know when I open the doors to my parent training program, where I help parents to build executive functioning skills in their kids and help them to work through all sorts of things relating to procrastination and motivation. Now, it's interesting because in Episode 8, I'm actually going to get into this topic even further, and I mentioned the skill of initiation in this episode, but in Episode 8, I actually get even deeper because I have A guest expert, Mike McLeod, who is a speech language pathologist who specializes in ADHD and executive functioning. And I learned so much from this interview and even started to rethink about the way that I think about supporting kids with executive functioning issues and ADHD. So you are going to love it if you want to learn more about this topic. If you have a child who has ADHD or is showing signs and symptoms or who just has some impulsive behaviors or has a hard time putting something down and getting motivated to do something else that's not their first choice of activity, he really gets into why this happens and some things that you can do to help kids to work through it. And it really gave me a deeper level of understanding of what's going on, and what to do about it. I highly recommend keeping your eyes open for episode eight when it goes live. Again, Mike McLeod from Grown-Out Therapy, who has a wealth of knowledge about supporting kids with ADHD. But if you want to get a better understanding right now of the types of skills that can help kids with ADHD, then you can always download my parent guide. Again, drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide. If you've been listening to the Are The 18 Yet podcast and if you've been enjoying these episodes, I would love it if you could leave us a five-star review on Apple. All you need to do to leave a review is search for Are They 18 Yet podcast on Apple Podcasts, then click the purple subscribe bubble and you'll be able to scroll down and rate and write a review. I would appreciate that so much and I may give you a shout out on a future episode. Our shout out this week is from L Shepherd 04 who says this podcast is wonderful for both parents and SLPs. I highly recommend to give it a listen. This was actually one of our raffle prize winners for our launch. So Thank you so much for the review. Our raffle prize winners were people who left us five-star reviews during the podcast launch. And all of the winners got access to an entire suite of products for parents to help build time management, resilience, and healthy self-image in kids. So I will be sharing some more information about how you can get access to some of those products in that suite in the upcoming episodes. So stay tuned for that. We're going to wrap up this episode now of the Are The 18 Yet podcast, but I will see you in episode eight.